Before we get into the episode, head on over to RighteousFelon.com for all your favorite beef jerky flavors. I'd recommend starting off with the whole shebang craft jerky gift bundle. The jerky is smoky and savory, spicy and sweet. All of your favorites, all in one variety pack. Use promo code OCSN, all lowercase, to get 15% off at checkout. Don't miss this great opportunity. Go to RighteousFelon.com today. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I am your host, Joey DiMeglio, and the Rangers head into a two-game road trip against the Red Wings and Capitals after dropping the last two games to the Flames and Jets. This week, I'm joined for the second time by Corey Snyder, and today we'll talk about the Tyler Mott trade, those Patrick Kane rumors, and we will take a look at some Rangers stats and trends thus far. But first, Corey, thanks so much for joining me. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, appreciate you coming back on. Uh, do you have any uh, NHL 14 old draft prospects uh, at, at, on your list ready? Uh, I didn't make a list, and I'm <laughs> sure some will come to mind. I mean, we are talking trades. I'm sure some old prospect is going to pop up. Yeah, yeah. Who did we talk about last time? Zikov, right? Yeah. Zikov. Well, that's because we were talking about uh, Julian Gauthier, so. Yeah, and speaking of Gauthier, I mean, he got traded on uh, Sunday to the Senators. And uh, with the with the conditional pick, seventh round pick, uh, if the Rangers win around, then they're going to, it's going to get bumped up to a six this year. And that was in exchange for Tyler Mott. So the Rangers got their uh, fourth line forward from last year back. Uh, after not re-signing him in the offseason. Uh, what did you think of that trade for the, for the Rangers? I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was fine. Just get a guy that you know you like back on the team. And Mott is a, Mott's a great worker bee type of player. And he's he's really good on the penalty kill. He's a workhorse on the penalty kill. So I, I understood it. And I think Gauthier, I think Gauthier is getting to that age. I think he is at that age where it's like he's not really a prospect anymore, but he's also kind of not old either. So sending him to a place where maybe he won't get fourth line minutes works out. I'd be interested to see like what his, his micro stats say, because I know his analytical stats on, on natural stat trick are usually pretty good. He draws a crap ton of penalties. Uh, he's among the league leaders in drawn penalties per 60 which is which is nuts and he barely gets any time with the rangers like he had that like you said fourth line ice time hopefully hopefully coach in ottawa could uh give him some ice time i think he could be a pretty good player he was he was a first round pick by the hurricanes right yeah he was i think that was the year they had a few first round picks when they were rebuilding and out of that draft they got i think all they got was jake bean and julian gauthier so not exactly the most uh not exactly the most productive draft they've had but that's what happens sometimes yeah you, you miss on some rangers missed on some with anderson Kravtsov. Uh, yeah exactly like it, it happens it's a crapshoot um yeah but goche once once scored like i think he scored like 40 or 50 goals in junior so i mean ottawa could be getting a pretty good player if he could you know figure out that goal scoring ability again could be uh Good depth score for for that team over there. I like I like the move for them, but I also like the move for the Rangers. I think Tyler Mott makes the fourth line way better, and that's his role. Gauthier was not meant to play a fourth line role. It's just he's log jammed, log jammed with the uh, with the 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 depth on the the charts for the Rangers. Um, 
But you wanted to, you had some interesting stats that uh, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about. Tyler Mott on the penalty kill. Um, what was it? He last uh, with Vancouver, right in the playoffs. Yeah, in the uh, 2020 playoffs, uh, Tyler Mott was kind of one of their go-to guys on the penalty kill, and he just had an absolutely ridiculous season. Uh, he had, well, he had a ridiculous playoff run there, just killing penalties. So one thing I did during the bubble was it was uh, it was during the time like during the pandemic where I was like looking for new things to add to my stat tracking and the bubble was kind of a good time to add some new wrinkles and I started tracking penalty kill stats and one of the things I did was I tracked uh, penalty kill exits so basically clears or skating the puck out entry denials and um, shorthanded entries and Tyler Mod had a ridiculous uh, he had a ridiculous number of events like just accumulated there he had yeah this is insane so vancouver got eliminated in the second round and only esselindel had more had more exits on the penalty kill and there's only like two more players who had more entries and entry denials on the penalty kill than tyler mod so he had just like vancouver just turned to him to do everything on the penalty kill that year and he hasn't been that good set. Well, I mean, he hasn't been that that relied on since. But I don't know. He's like one of those guys that was a. I think he was a scorer in college, maybe in the AHL. But he has a lot of. He's very skilled. He's very fast. He can skate well. But he just doesn't really have like the extra level to play in the top six anywhere and be like a productive member. But he's found a really good niche as like a worker B type of player, and it really shows on the penalty kill. There was this meme I posted once where it's like, uh, where it's like plain SpongeBob, and I say normal. It's it says average third liner on the penalty kill, and then it's muscle SpongeBob saying or average third. Oh wait, no, plain SpongeBob is average third liner at five on five, and muscle SpongeBob is average third liner on the penalty kill, where he's like all jacked up and <laughs> like a. <laughs> I gotta yeah. grab that. I gotta grab that meme. We gotta clip yeah. that later. <laughs> Yeah, and that's like Tyler. To me, that's Tyler Mott to a T. And there's a lot of guys like that, like Michael Roffel and a bunch of other players. Uh, a bunch of other players kind of have like their inner skill go out on the penalty kill. I think that that's just because there's more space. You're pushing for, you're pushing for breakaways more. You have a des- you have a designated role where it's just north south. You're not looking to create plays or follow whatever the system is. So I think he's like a guy that thrives in that. And that sometimes that really pays off for you in the playoffs because mm-hmm. like not a lot of goals are scored and it just takes one. Yeah. And uh, I mean, to, to ask like um, for those that don't know about, you know, how those certain micro stats are like what you track on the penalty kill uh, zone preventions. Is that like any time plays broken up, you know, they can't get a clean entry into the zone offsides, stuff like that. Right. Yeah, on the penalty kill, it's basically any time you disrupt an entry. So it could be all the way up in the neutral zone. It could be at the blue line. It could be just preventing a team to get set up. Because, like, it's different on the penalty kill. Like, you don't want to just gain the zone. You want to get set up, too. And he was second best out of all those players, and he only played two rounds. And Essel Lindell played, what is that? He went to the did finals. He, he went to the finals, right? Like, but did he play in the? I can't remember if he was if the stars were in the bubble, or if they, yeah, they if they made it out of that. Yeah, they made the they lost in the finals to Tampa yeah. Bay that yeah. year. Yeah, 
Yeah. So I yeah. And Essa Lindell is also a guy who plays literally every shift on the penalty kill. Yeah. Yeah. So that's impressive that that Mott was up there then. So that's you know the Rangers are getting a really really you know valuable asset if they use him on the on the penalty kill as much as as much as probably not going to be like how Vancouver used him because the Rangers do have Zibanejad and Kreider. Trocheck kills penalties. Goudreau kills penalties. They use VZ. They even throw Capo Caco out there, but. They gotta have to use Tyler Bott if he's that effective, man. Like, you know, you take a costly penalty in the in the playoffs. You need a you need a big kill if you're tied or down by one or something like that. And the, you know, there's not much time left. You know, you gotta you gotta go with your your best guys. And you know, Tyler Mott is probably gonna be one of those guys. But you know, the micro stat on along with the micro stats, um, I wanted to take a look. Uh, what do you have on the Rangers? You said this year they were actually really good with your with what you've tracked. Yeah, as far as creating offense goes, the Rangers were one of the better teams in the league. So, like, the stats I track are focused, a, they're, it's focused a lot on offense transition play, forechecking, and one of the things I do look at is how many shots a team creates off the rush versus how much they do off the forecheck. And the Rangers are one of the more balanced teams in, in the league in that department. So, they create a lot of shots in both areas. And I think a lot of that is just some of that is just the talent they have. Cause like Panarin is one of those guys who has broken a lot of my charts in the past. And he's, and like, I, he's one of those guys, like even in a down year, he still grades well by my stats just because he has the puck on his stick so much. Sabanajad's always been a really good rush player. Kreider has been too. Tro, Trocek's another guy who's always been pretty good. And they're, their pros, their kid line. Well, I don't know. They haven't been the kid line all season, but the, uh, but Heedle, Lafreniere, and Kako have taken a pretty big step forward this year. Cause like in the last two years, all three of them kind of been, they haven't been creating a lot of offense really in any situation. And this year, all three of them have taken a pretty big step forward. So that's been a pretty big development for the Rangers. And that's where the Tarasenko trade is going to really help because they can go back to, putting those three together without kind of sinking one of the top two lines. And I'd imagine that the, the three of them together, the three kids are better when they're together than when they're separated. Yeah. Especially because like Philip Heedle is one of those guys that really likes to kind of, he likes to go end to end a lot to carry the play. And I think that really helps Lafreniere and Kako so they don't have to do it. And like, lot like the two of them are a lot more of like they're kind of into that complementary role right now on the wings like when i see like i just wrote a piece on jonathan huberdo and like one of the things like i kind of pick up with huberdo is he doesn't like to charge the zone that much he doesn't like to skate through traffic but he like he's very good at getting to like the getting inside getting inside the dots without kind of uh without kind of being broken up by coverage and that's kind of what i see with lafreniere like somebody else kind of has to do the puck carrying for him on the outside. And then he makes the final play within the dots. And that's what make, that's kind of what makes him like such a game breaking type of player. And maybe the other parts of his game will come around, but right now they have, they have a nice complimentary setup for him. Yeah. Um, like the, like you're explaining, I mean, Hedo likes to carry the puck in. Kako is very good along the, along the walls uh, behind the net with the puck and, and then Lafreniere just getting, in between the in between the dots it's like a really good combination 
just players getting open and stuff. You have um, uh, on on stream here for for the people that are watching the live stream. This is from your website, correct? Yep, this is from uh, my website, all3zones.com. Well, it's from the Tableau page, but this all is on my website. <laughs> okay, and this is okay. So if could you explain like what's what's going on in this in this chart here, the five v five rush offense and like cycle four check. So this is what I kind of just uh, basically it's the chart version of what I just explained. So on this axis, the uh, the uh, horizontal axis shows the uh, shots off the rush off transition. So basically, any shot that's coming after is after a controlled entry, basically against the run of play, and shots off the forecheck and cycle shows basically shots that are coming off end zone offense. So cycles, recovered dump-ins, four checks, all that. And the Rangers are one of the more balanced teams. Like they, they are probably the best team off the rush. That's also really good off the cycle too. So that's what makes them, that's what I feel. I feel like they're a lot more dangerous this year for that reason, especially after adding Tarasenko, he was very good with the blues last year, kind of just capitalizing off, Mm-hmm. capitalizing up other players setting him up and he's he's like uh just i don't know he can kind of fit into whatever mold of offense you're trying to make especially with panarin there mm-hmm. so i think that uh so i think they're pretty well set up and you can see like a lot of other teams they sort of most teams have one area where they thrive in one area where they struggle like the hurricanes are a huge like four check team that's basically where all their offense comes from. Pittsburgh's kind of fallen into that mold this year too. Whereas like the Devils, the the Devils are pretty much just a rush offense team. They're up, I mean, they're above average in, off the forecheck and the cycle too, but a lot of that is just Jack Hughes being Jack Hughes. Mm-hmm. But the I Rangers think- are the Rangers are in a really nice spot. Now I remember I think the last time that I had you on, we were talking about the Rangers dumping the puck in last season and since i had you on the show very early on in the season it was kind of difficult to to judge what they had uh going on this year but now that we're past the midway point past the the all-star break has that sort of changed like are the rangers more of a carry team or they still dump the puck in a lot they're uh they're more of a carrying team now like uh the league has kind of shifted to where most team most teams play like this now just because you need guys who can attack off you could you need guys who attack off the rush and the rangers have kind of ascended into like one of the better teams in the league in this area and they also get a lot of entries per game too which is good because entry entry differential has been shown to like be more impactful than whether or not you can carry the puck in or not so basically you want to just basically you want to be able to like pin teams in territorially regardless of how you're getting the puck in and the rangers have kind of the Rangers have found a nice balance there. And yeah, go ahead. And like this chart right here shows like where they rank. They're they're up there with Boston, Vegas, Jersey, Edmonton with the teams that like to carry the puck in a lot. So it's a pretty good spot. And I feel like it's Mm -hmm. I feel like it plays to their roster strengths too. Like a like I said earlier, like Savannah Jad, Kreider, all those guys like to carry the puck in a lot. And their uh their little young core has gotten better too. Yeah, so seemingly it's a it's it looks like to me from just from these two charts that you showed me that it's a significant improvement at even strength for the Rangers from from last year compared to this year. Um, 
the cycle, the cycling is, I mean, the Rangers have these long drawn out shifts in the offensive zone. You see it most of the, a lot of the time you see it with, with Lafreniere, Hedl and Kako. And it just, I think it's because of how you described it before. Like they all play to each other's strengths. Like Hedl's very good. Like uh, he likes to gain control, the puck, enter the zone with control. Like he skates it in himself. Doesn't really dump the puck much. Paco's good around the edges, and Lafreniere is good in, inside in the house. Um, but like overall, you would would you agree that it's been a like not a good but a great improvement from last year for the Rangers? Yeah. So last year, I felt like their problem was they could only really score off counterattacks, and they played for a lot of counterattacks. So basically, they had to survive a bunch of just garbage in their own zone. And just wait for an opportunity to strike against the entire mm -hmm. team. And it worked for a while, but it kind of just led to these games where they just get shelled on the shot clock. And sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it like puts your team in a rut and a losing streak. And they found a nice balance after they got uh, Andrew Kopp and Tyler Mott at the trade deadline and kind of weeded out some of the weaker players on their roster. Whereas this year they've been a lot, they've been better at kind of just having sustained possessions, and I think adding Trocheck's been a big, a big impact there. Because like Trocheck, he's not one of those like he's he likes to carry the puck, but he doesn't really like to attack off the rush that much. He likes to kind of skate into a corner and go from there. Like at least that's what I that's how he was with the Hurricanes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the Rangers had to adjust to playing in the offensive zone more. As like silly as that sounds. But they just, they were so used to kind of these one and done chances and just attacking when the team isn't prepared or in a set defense that it took them some time to kind of figure out, just to figure out chemistry, which lines work together within the offensive zone more. Cause I think there's like some details that kind of, there's some details that kind of matter more when you're playing off the cycle so much. Just like who likes to, who likes to go to the net more, who likes, who likes to kind of have the puck on their stick on the perimeter, who likes to like handedness matters a lot more there too, because you're setting up guys for one timers. But I, I feel like that's something that was something that is kind of easier to fix than like a roster that's flawed or defensive zone schemes and all that. Because like they, I mean, they have the talent, like Adam Fox is one of the best, probably the best player in the league at creating from the point. And Guys like Miller, guys like Miller had to kind of improve too, because I think that was new for him, just playing so much on offense instead of like focusing on preventing. Certainly looked a lot better in in the past few weeks, I'd say. But you know, the the theme for this year is the line chain, the line combinations last as about as long as a carton of milk. Gerard Glant likes to likes to throw the lines in a blender. Um he didn't do it too much last year, but he has done it this year. But I'm I would be interested to see defensively. I mean, Chesterkin isn't as isn't nearly as good as he was last year. He's come back to down to earth, and recently he's been slumping, but still a good goaltender overall this season. But is just not as good as as last year. Defensively, has there been what what does it look like for the Rangers? If I could put it back up on on stream. All right, so um, a new tool that I just made for my site is team cards. So it shows how teams rank by my stats, like relative to the league average. And the Rangers, uh, they, they're they a very weird team. 
because like by entry defense, they're not terrible. Like they're not very, they don't get burned off the rush that, that much. And they're pretty good at kind of getting sticks in the way and kind of shutting plays down at the line. The only problem is that like with breakouts, they're not, they're not great. Like they turn, they do turn the puck over a lot. They do like to clear the puck out. Like their favorite breakout method is basically just clearing the puck out of the zone or just getting it over the line and having Fox kind of settle it down and set up a rush play. So I think that's something that's, it's a bit of a concern, but I don't, Every, the, there's not really a team in the the more I look at these stats there's not a team in the league that's perfect at everything or that's great at everything mm-hmm. so I think this is something they can kind of work around by really just what they've been doing this year not playing that much in their own zone but it does leave them prone to games where they kind of get shelled and just struggle which I mean that's going to happen over 82 games but I do wonder how much of it is going to I do wonder how much of this is going to play a factor in the playoffs and if it's something that it, yeah. they can expose, because like the Devils are not—I mean, if they play the Devils in the first round, the Devils are not a great forechecking team. But is this something if they get Timo Meyer that they can expose? But they also have Shesterkin to kind of bail them out, and like Shesterkin, like the way he played last year is like almost going to be impossible to replicate. Yeah, so, of course, of course. but <laughs> like just the human level of Shesterkin is still very good. Yeah, that those stats are—I mean, if if you had shown me those stats and it was like before December 5th, I would say, yeah, this is pretty accurate. I mean, the, the Rangers were getting, were shooting themselves in the foot a lot of the time. If I, if like through my observations, they were turning the puck over and not just turning the puck over, but in like the, literally the worst possible areas of the ice you could possibly, like you could imagine, like literally in front of the net in the neutral zone, like where you're not skating, like you're caught in quicksand basically. Uh, And it would lead to goals against and, I mean, they. I guess it's. I guess it has been an ongoing problem to for them to to break break the puck out of the zone. But that's just you know, that's just on them. It's not like off the rush. Like off the rush. If I can go back to here, it's like um, let me pull this up so I can see. Like the zone entry defense. That's off the rush, right? And it's right. That, yeah. So th- all that stuff looks looks good. I mean, um, the stepping up of the blue line. I would I would imagine causing a lot of offsides. Um, which is all all good stuff, but the simple th- it's crazy. Like the simple thing is not what they're doing really well. It's like all the other the other stuff that you'd think is uh, you know more challenging, more advanced. They're looks like they're nailing that that stuff, right? Yeah, like a lot of the details they struggled with last year, they've gotten better at. But the but like breaking the puck out of the zone is still like an issue. But they're also like I said earlier, they're a team that likes to clear the puck out to kind of just relieve pressure or just have a guy fly the zone, which like it can pay off for you, but it's also kind of a 50, 50 thing where if the puck doesn't get out, you have to be back and you have to get yourself back in position to just prevent any, just prevent any fire drills. And that's something that's, that's something that like has kind of gotten them into trouble over the, over the last, well, really all season, but I don't know. I feel like their season's gone kind of up and down. They're on a pretty, they're on a nice stretch right now from, the last few times I watched him had a tough game against Calgary, but they came back and got a point out of it. But I don't know. They do their, I don't know, their defensemen or just their defensive structure. Like it kind of doesn't play. It doesn't really play well to being stuck in your zone a lot. It's just like preventing damage. Mm-hmm. Like, 
like, I don't know, Fox isn't it? Fox is really good at Fox is really good at kind of getting to stick in the way and skating guys out of problems, but he does, he has had a few just turnover lapses this year, but that's just kind of because forwards aren't in like correct position to get him the puck. He's also a very, he's also a very like, I don't know. I feel like he, he's kind of a step ahead of the play usually. And he's looking for an extra play to make or just a play that nobody else is thinking about. And the simple thing might avoid him sometimes, which I mean, with how much he gives you, I take that risk most of the time just because he's so good. Like just because he's so good. Most of the time, a few, a few turnovers here and there aren't going to really matter in the grand scheme of things, but especially with, especially with Shesterkin, then Lindgren is pretty, Lindgren is very good at kind of just absorbing damage too. Yeah. With like physically too. Shots. Yeah. <laughs> but like the second pair, the second pair, I feel like it's had those issues too. Like in that Calgary game, Truba got caught a few times, like just cheating, just uh, cheating in the uh, neutral zone. Or I think one of them was right off a face off where he kind of just, caught fishing and then he got beats and Miller and then Miller kind of just was caught in no man's land. So yeah, I know that the second pair has been kind of a problem area for them. Yeah. Truba, Truba has stepped up a lot in the offensive zone ever since he's come to the Rangers. It's like he, he, and he gets caught more times than not. And, you know, since the Miller Truba pair has been a thing, like Miller's always had to like rush back and, know try and break up with his athletic break up the play with his athleticism or ends up taking a penalty and it kind of like screws him uh by doing that and also you mentioned adam fox and turnovers like that game against calgary actually had a really brutal turnover very beginning of the game right after mangiapani scored he gets the puck right on the blue line on his own blue line coughs it right up to the flames player and then they scored yeah Um, i think i remember that yeah that was a that was a, a tough like a, a a ball buster goal i'd say because um you know that that one does if that one doesn't go in i think the rangers are fine uh because they did come back and they forced uh forced overtime and got a point out of it it was the second of, of back-to-back games so no i wasn't wasn't really expecting much based on how they came out to start that that game i mean two goals in like what is it not even two minutes into the game and oh like you're barely skating and stuff like that um, but the, the Rangers, they have a little bit of time between now and the trade deadline. It's what is this? Eight days now, right? Um, yeah. March, March 3rd. So March 3rd. Yeah. So uh, a little over a week, um, at the time of this recording, uh, at the time you're hearing this, if you're listening on like Spotify or anchor or whatever, uh, it'd be less than a week. Um, but there's been rumors, heavy, heavy rumors about Patrick Kane, um, People are trying to. I feel like people are trying to speak this one into existence. The the possible three team trade. Emily Kaplan reported that it's you know the Rangers that Kane has asked the Blackhawks to look into if it's a possibility to go back to go to the Rangers. I know that um, Chris Drury had raised concerns about his hip. Kane looks fine right now. He's tearing it up. I think it's like what like seven points in like three games, something like that. Uh, he had a like goal taken away. That was right at the buzzer. I don't know how it didn't count. That was insane. Yeah, I don't know how that one didn't count. It barely, it just missed the clock. I remember a few, like, in, like, 2012, Michael Delzato scored a buzzer beater at, like, the end of the second period. And on, like, the TV clock, 
you could see like point one, and it ended up being no goal because like the NHL's clock that oh. we couldn't see was zero. And it, like, I wonder if that's the same explanation for that for why that one didn't count. Yeah, I feel like they need to change it to the NBA or basketball rules where it's when like the ball leaves your hand. That's when, that's when like the clock stops. Yeah, like when the puck is soaring through the air. That's yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> like once he takes the shot, I feel like it it should have counted. Yeah, yeah. It was a nice it was a nice slapper from from uh was that I, like just by the blue line? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it went in. Like that yeah, never no. happens. No, for real. Like off the rush, like a a, a slap dry will try to slap her on a breakaway in that shootout. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what the hell are you doing, man? Not nineteen eighties better. Um <laughs> But yeah, Patrick Kane is. Um, the rumors have, have heated up. Uh, I don't know if it's if the if the Rangers are, are going to end up pulling the trigger. Technically, they could still do it, still get it done if they they have until the twenty fifth or the twenty sixth to make it happen. They have to waive one of Jake Lecision or Vitaly Kravtsov to uh, set up their cap space, their deadline cap space to accrue enough. I believe it's around like $1.9 million they would be accruing if they waived Lecision before um, before uh, the 25th, which is Saturday, which is the time this episode comes out. Um, the way you'll know, you'll know if the Rangers are going to be doing it if, if that happens before, uh, before then. Actually, you might not because they could just send him Lecision down bring up like Brodzinski or something like that and then trade for like Bukestad who's like a cheap contract and just settle for a fourth liner but uh what do you think of that the whole Patrick Kane discourse Corey yeah I mean it reminds me a lot of uh Marty Saint-Louis when he wanted to go to the Rangers just because he this is he's made it pretty clear this is where he wants to go and the Hawks really just sort of the Rangers just have to find a way to make the money work and I it's interesting. Like Kane has not had a good season and he had the hip surgery, hip surgery concerns and all that. And the last week or so he's the last week or so he's just like turned it on. He has seven goals in his last three games, I think. Yeah. And he had nine goals all season before that. Yeah. So that's, that's I, with Patrick Kane, I'm like, which one are you, which Patrick Kane are you getting? <laughs> because like, the way he's played most of the year, I don't know if I would want that, especially what, what it's going to take to get him probably from the Blackhawks who are in full rebuild mode right now. But 
if you get the Patrick Kane from last year where you have someone like uh, Debrinket to pair him with and he can kind of break the game open on any given shift regardless of what he does for the other like 20 minutes he's out there like that's somebody who can potentially win you a playoff series whereas the Kane this year I don't know like this is somebody that has kind of just been going through the motions just a non-factor I mean granted he's not playing with great teammates and or great line mates in Chicago, like Max Domi, Andreas Athanasio, and I'm sure the Rangers can, can set him up with somebody better. But I don't know. It just seems like, I, I don't know, just the way he kind of like mouthed off after they traded for Tarasenko, it just kind of just, I don't know, to me, just kind of reeked of like entitlements. Like, oh, why yeah. aren't they trading for me? I'm Patrick Kane. Yeah. Like, even though I've had a terrible season, I'm still Patrick Kane. I deserve to be on the top of their trade list or whatever. And I don't know, just something about that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. You know, I, I see what you're, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you want, yeah. He, like he's kind of for, I don't know. He's forcing his hand to be on a team that who knows if they even want him. Like yeah, that was the other that, thing. That was wild. Like those comments, like, like when Adam Fox, everybody knows Adam Fox forced his way to the Rangers. It's it's no secret, but it's the difference is like he didn't like say he didn't publicly say anything, and I can't remember. Like, well, it's also it's, like I mean, I mean, I know Patrick Kane has. I mean, he's won three Stanley Cups. I mean, yeah. he he's earned like whatever, right? He's earned whatever he wants to do in the last year of his contract. But like, if a team has to bend over backwards to fit you into their cup run, it's like I don't know. If you're making them do that, it, I don't know if that's like the greatest thing to, because like I don't know the Hawks, the Hawks want to trade him, and mm-hmm. they have people that want him. But if you're forcing a team to trade for you, that's totally different. I mean, to me, that's like a different situation because like the Rangers already got one of the, they got their guy Tarasenko, yeah. who yeah. is not a bad player, mind you. I, <laughs> and I think it's like it's simply be a luxury for for the Rangers, like the. Five on five. I know. I've seen. I've seen the Jay Fresh cards. I. I know he's not a good analytical player. I understand that, but he is Patrick Kane. He's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. He's won three cups. He's won a Calder. One of the greatest goal scorers, American goal scorers of all time, has great chem. Had great chemistry with Panarin when they were on the Hawks together. Um, yeah, but like. Uh, it would be a luxury for the Rangers is, is what so, I would, I would say like, and it's also, it's also, you'd also be banking on the fact that if they're able to do this, the way that they have to do it, they're going to have, like, they're just going to be banking on the 12 forwards. They have, they're going to be banking that there's no injuries. There's going to be on both like the forwards and the defenders, right? Like they have to clear two roster spots uh, to accrue that cap space. They have to get rid of decision and they got to get rid of crabs off. The fan in me wants to see Patrick Kane in a Rangers jersey. Yes, I, I do want to see that. But I have, for the majority of the season, I have downplayed this. Um, I've said, like, it doesn't make much sense because because of, you know, like, injury concerns. It's, it's, a, it's a huge it's a huge deal. The Rangers haven't done this. They, they've had 23 or 22 guys on the roster the whole year. What happens if somebody gets injured? They've been pretty healthy all year. Um, I'd be interested to see. If they go with that, I know it's crazy to say, like, why would you go after uh, like a, a fourth line setter over Patrick K? Like the guy's going to be a Hall of Favor. Like, yeah, I understand that. But uh, in terms of where the Rangers are, let's say somebody gets hurt. Let's say if Panarin gets hurt, 
Rangers might be screwed. No? Yeah, and with Kane, I feel like it's the ultimate test of, like, flipping the switch and just going back to the guy you were. Because, I mean, last year, like, I know his... Uh, I know some of his anal- or his underlying stats weren't great last year, just with how bad the Hawks were defensively while he was on the ice, but he still does a lot to kind of break games open, like just in one shift. Mm-hmm. Or at least he could last year. This year it's been like like I said, this year he's pretty much just gone through the motions. Mm-hmm. But oh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Um I don't know. If he goes back to Let's just say the Rangers do trade for him. He's on a team that's making a playoff run with a lot of good players that they can pair him up with. Like, does that kind of set him off and get him back to, like, not even the old Patrick Kane, the Patrick Kane of last year? Like, that, I mean, that's a game breaker. It's just a matter of, like, how it seems like he's forcing the team's hand of the team that wants that. We don't even know if they want to trade for him. He's saying, I want to go here. Like, that's. That's the other thing. Although, I think Toronto might have been on his list too. I heard Dallas was also in the mix, and it just seems like he's kind of going through the ringer of teams that want to trade for him, or playing against teams that potentially yeah. want to trade for him and just lighten it up. So, if they if it's only one team that could possibly trade for him, and like if it's only the Rangers, then the asking like. They really don't have much leverage, the Blackhawks, to ask for a lot of crap back in, in return. Exactly. Like the, like, the, I joked at the very beginning of the year that, like, if Kane makes it known that he wants to play for the Rangers and only the Rangers, the Rangers could just, you know, trade Matthew Robertson and, like, Carl Hendrickson in a pick for, for him. And, like, those are, like, arguably B-level to C-level prospects, I'd say, for the Rangers. Carl Henriksen, for sure, a C-level prospect. Matthew Robertson, probably bordering on the B-level prospect. I think the Rangers have held on to him for, for a while now. Uh, haven't included him, and in, I haven't heard his name included in many trade talks, but if that's what it takes for, for him, you, you hold on to your first-round pick, I mean, I would I would go for it, but it's... Do you want to do, do that and risk potential injuries and stuff like that. I mean, the team has been pretty healthy this year. I don't know if they're going to do it. It's like if the salary cap didn't exist, I mean, yeah, do it. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And this isn't like a thing. I'm not saying like, okay, make the move for Kane and you have to extend him. Like, no, I probably Tarasenko is probably not even coming back next season. All right? Like uh, the Rangers have to re-sign Heedle, Lafreniere, and Keandre Miller. It's been the thing. We've known this since the very beginning. Like, that hasn't changed. They need to keep those guys. That's the core. Kane and Tarasenko, if they could keep them, it'd be a luxury. You know, right? Like, uh, I almost feel like willing to see what would happen if Brennan Othman comes up. Um, but his season is, the regular season ends like at the end of March. And then if his team makes the playoffs, the Peterborough Pete, uh, which they look like they they have a good record this year. Uh, who knows how long that could take. Thank you already into the playoffs so is it worth it to go after to bring that guy up i don't know yeah it's uh i mean it's just a it's just a tough roster kind of construction type of thing and it's also just i don't know guy i don't know just from like a team chemistry standpoint you like insert this guy into your locker room and it's going to be like is he just going to demand first power play time right off the hop because he's Patrick Kane, even though like it's, we have our, 
it's like we have a good setup right now like we can't just it's like we can't just like throw you into there because you think you're the best player in the world i I don't know i I, maybe he'll be i don't know maybe he'll be like uh, a good teammate if you just throw him into there and he knows he has another chance at a stanley cup but i don't know i've i've heard other situations in the past where it's like they get a star player and he wants to make everything about him and then it just kind of throws everything off and screws everything up but i don't know maybe this is also it's also hockey like players usually don't act like that so yeah yeah this is also that was another thing that i was thinking about you know you know like last week when when people started throwing it back out there again like is it going to be too much awesome on here like again like the novelty of kane in the rangers jersey i mean it would be cool but is it the rangers already have panarin and tarasenko they have Kreider, who scored 50 goals last year, Zibanejad. Um, of course, if you add Kane, that's a deadly top six right there. And then your fourth line would become Vizi, Goudreau, and Mott, which would probably be the best iteration of the fourth line the Rangers have had to date this season. Um, but is it is it going to be too much too much awesome there? Is it going to be, become like uh, uneven? I don't even know I, what other teams compare. I don't know what other situation a team has ever done anything like this before. Like, didn't the Brooklyn and, Nets have like, like I mean, three, like in I mean in the NHL like post salary cap because <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had some of the Oilers teams back in the eighties had some insane roster rosters. The Dallas Stars in two thousand had like the Carbono on their fourth line, and yeah, the, like the Red Wings in two thousand two had like an entire roster. Of oh yeah. Neighbors. <laughs> Like Brett Hall and Sergey Fedorov were on that team, I think. It wasn't Hashik on that t- that team too, or I don't know if Hashik was on the wings yet. He might Wait, have been. Did Hashik uh, win he... a cup? I don't think he. I thought he. I have to look this up. He, this he won one in Detroit. I just don't remember when. Uh yeah, I gotta I gotta look this. Up. I think he did win with. I think you're right. I think he did win with Detroit. I mean, uh... I mean, maybe there's a way they can like. I mean, they're in the play. They're. I guess they they pretty much clinched a playoff spot at this point. I don't know if there's a way to like stash somebody on LTIR until the playoffs when the salary cap doesn't exist. Like if you trade for Kane, but I don't know. Like just pull a Kucherov off and do that. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, the LTIR thing. Maybe oh, maybe that's how they do this. But like I said, I mean, there's a way to. I don't know if there is a way to make this happen like financially, but I. I guess if you're the Rangers, this isn't going to be your last chance at a cup. Maybe it's not. I don't know if it's going to be your best chance. But a lot of yeah, a lot of people said know. last year was the best chance. I disagreed because the five v five scoring wasn't where it needed to be. Trading for Cop and Vitrano got them to where they should have been. But if if they had this year's like level five v five scoring or offense, then it's a different story. Um, it's it's such a unique situation because Kane wants to go there. Uh, yeah, it's like he it's more of the he wanting to go there than the team wanting him. So maybe there's a way to maybe there's a way to make this work and like maybe there's a way to make this work and without like nuking anything in the future. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point that you make. Like we don't even know if the Rangers want to go go there, but. I mean, Larry Brooks did say yesterday, according to sources, the Rangers have signaled they will try to make it work if Kane is willing to waive his no-trade clause. Obviously, he's going to waive his no-trade clause. He well, doesn't have a problem yeah. doing that to go to New York. Like, he's publicly said he wants to play for the Rangers, uh, basically. Uh, but 
again, is it worth it to do it and you know leave yourself with with no backup players if in case of injuries? It's 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 tough. Like it's a lot. A lot has to a lot has to fall into place. Like, I mean, you could trade Barkley Goodrow, you could trade Chris Kreider, but is that going to happen? No. Like, I don't think Barkley Goodrow. Like Barkley Goudreau getting, there's a better chance of me becoming a beat writer for the Rangers right now than there is for Barkley Goudreau to be traded. Like honestly, yeah, I'm not even done with school yet. That's a long contract. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't have a problem with Goudreau. Like it's, I swear, I wish the NHL. I wish they could negotiate like like cap restructuring, like uh, like cap hit restructuring, because it's like these. Some of these contracts are like. It wouldn't have been this bad if the the salary had grown to where it was supposed to be when right. when COVID wasn't it supposed to go to eighty four and a half million at COVID and we're get, just getting to it now, right? I feel like every off season we hear about how the cap is going to grow and then it never does. It yeah. gets worse, but then I mean, granted, there was a pandemic, but still, right? Like earlier this year, it was like, oh yeah, the cap's going up three million. I'm like, get out of here. There's no way it's going up three million. I didn't believe that report for one second, even if Elliot Friedman reported it. Like I mean, honestly, if the, if the cap isn't going up, can we can we get rid of the animated Dasher ads, please? Oh <laughs> like, yeah. There's no purpose to these anymore. <laughs> I, honestly, like I was, I thought I thought the same thing too. I like asked my dad like what he thought of it. He's like, oh, I like it. I'm like what? How do you like it? He's like, uh, yeah, because it's like you're not looking at the same thing, you know, for the entire game. I, I, you're I don't supposed understand. to be looking at the, you're supposed to be watching the game, not the. You're dash. supposed to be watching the game. Not the dash your ads. I mean, they're. I don't know. Maybe as you get older, you get more of an appreciation for that kind of stuff. I have no idea. I, I don't get it. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, but um, you know, the Kane discourse it, it'll continue to happen. Do you think? Where do you think Timo Meyer heads uh, heads? I mean, I want to say Carolina because they can do it. Of course, you do. They honestly should do it. But it sounds—I mean, it sounds like the Devils are like making a full court press for him. It really just depends if they're going to give up one of their one of their old top picks. Which, I mean, I don't know if they should or they shouldn't, but they they have a defense that's signed for a while there, and not like you're not going to be able to fit all those guys onto your roster. So I feel like. To make a run and potentially get a long term piece, I would I mean I would do it if I was them. I'm looking but, at the I'm looking at the um the hurricanes like uh cap situation um uh, next year. They have let's see, how many unrestricted free agents? Four forwards, uh two defense two defense been one unrestricted, one restricted. Uh Dehan yeah. is the unrestricted, Dylan Coglin is uh, Yeah, they they go bargain basement to replace the bottom pair every year. So I'm not too, it's Teravainen is the big free agent though. Teravainen. Yeah. Well, yeah. him and Jordan Stahl. Yeah. Jordan Stahl is, is 34 though. So, I mean, I don't know how much he, he would ask. Is he still Stahl like playing is, at a top level? He is like, in terms of just like setting the tone for the rest of the team and kind of keeping the play in the offensive zone, he's still just, like Pete Jordan Stahl. It's just a matter of how many goals you're going to get out of him because it seems like he starts the year with like three goals through Christmas and then he goes on a tear with like mm-hmm. 10 goals in like 11 games or something and ends the year with like 17 or 18. Mm-hmm. And with everything else he does for you, I mean, he's also the team captain. Uh, and I think they're going to find some way to keep him just because I feel like the team's 
the team's identity is built around him and how he plays just with how much they work on the four check mm -hmm. and how much they play just like pinning teams into their own zone forever. And every year, like, I mean, it shouldn't be this way, but in the playoffs, he's always their best forward, mm -hmm. which is more of a problem with like how the rest of the team is playing. But I think, I think he's too important of a piece to let go right now. It really yeah. just depends on how much you can keep him yeah. for. But I mean, it sounds like, I think he wants to stay, but they are starting to get away from like how they dolly out the matchups because it used to be Jordan Stahl would always get the top line, would always get the other team's top line, but they've gone away from it and Aho is getting more of those matchups. And when Aho was out, Kuk and Yemi was starting to get a little more of those matchups. So I think they're in a position where they can start to like wean themselves off of Jordan Stahl being the focal point of the team. Mm -hmm. But I think he's too important to let go right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll I'll agree with. You. He's also the captain, and you know it's, it's very important to have that. I mean, Jacob Trouba, as soon as the Rangers name him captain, I mean, it took like like uh, I don't know how many games that was up until December fifth for him to you know show his true impact. But uh, it's been noticeable and it's been important. I'm also yeah, I'm looking at this situation for Carolina. It looks pretty wide open after like two three years. Uh, Yep. Lots of guys coming up and uh they're gonna have like a, a good portion of cap space. I'm looking at cap friendly right now. I think Timo Meyer would be a good person to add onto this team. Like if you add Timo Meyer and lock him up like I don't know, eight million dollars a year for like six, seven years. Um it's, what is he like twenty six? Yeah, he they can do it. It's just a matter of so the interesting interesting thing about the hurricanes is a lot of teams have signed it's other teams that signed their contracts like they with aho it was the offer sheets uh -huh. i mean they paid Sveshnikov. they signed they traded for trocek who was already signed long term they traded for brady shea who was already signed long term yeah a lot of the deals that. they signed a lot of the free agents they signed themselves are they're not exactly long-term deals mm -hmm. so It'll be interesting if they do that with Meyer. I mean, they did pay Svechnikov, and they did. Uh, well, I'm trying to think who else they paid like long term. I think Svechnikov is the big one, Akaniemi. and they have to they have to re-sign Aho after two years. Yeah, Kokaniemi, who that that was an interesting deal. They basically Slavin? gave him Slavin was signed by Ron Francis, but oh, they also got okay. they also got Brent Burns, who they got San Jose to eat like thirty percent of his salary. So really, they got him for only. They have Burns for only five point two million, and <laughs> I went, think they're, they're paying them even less in real money. So that was like a perfect trade for. That was like the perfect trade of what they want to do. You, you, but if it's a star player, Carolina, from what they've indicated and what they've said, they're gonna go after and pay these guys. But they haven't signed the deals themselves, uh -huh. so that's the interesting part when it you, comes to like Timo Meyer. But they would also. Have, uh, you guys have went from Dougie Hamilton to. D'Angelo to, to Brent Burns in terms of offensive defensemen, those power play quarterbacks. It's, it's interesting because like, like Brent Burns, I felt like his play in San Jose the last couple of years where he was, it looked like he was in the twilight of his career. Like I thought that was like worst case scenario for Dougie Hamilton. And then lo and behold, they signed the real Brent. They trade for the real Brent Burns two years later. <laughs> the I feel like the D'Angelo thing, they, they got what they needed out of him and moved him. Yeah, like, that was not going to be a long term situation. No, no. Yeah, he, he got him. He got himself back on his feet, and uh, I, I, I thought he did an okay job for for them. 
He did. It's just a matter in the playoffs when the games got tough, he unraveled. And yeah, <laughs> I know. That's a, yeah, he, he was, was terrible. A loose he was a loose cannon. In, in he had two good games against the Bruins, and then he just he was just awful the rest yeah. of them, and he was playing top pair too. Yeah. But with Brent Burns, like Burns is bigger, he's stronger, he can actually go back to retreat pucks and have Slavin do everything for him. So he he's actually fit in a lot better than I expected him to. Cause I thought birds was close to being done after watching him in San Jose the last few years, yeah. but he looks, he he's been awesome this year. Brent Burns. Yeah. He's been good. Yeah. I think I have him on my fantasy team. So much appreciated. <laughs> yeah. He's been like the perfect addition yeah. for getting them through this next couple of years before they need to sign another top hair defenseman. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Brady Shea is, a, is, really good now right he has slowly come along the last two years because like he's been and he's playing shut down minutes with brett pesci right now which is which was the surprising part but really almost everything about shea has been a surprise the last few years because he's starting to like produce on offense now Mm -hmm. which i didn't think was ever going to happen after watching him it didn't seem like he had any sort of any sort of danger to his game and then there was this game against Columbus on New Year's Day last year. I think he scored two goals, and then everything has just been going in for him since. I yeah. think he had, and everything was at five on five last year. Now he's actually getting power play time, and he's doing a nice job, kind of not even being the quarterback, just being the guy to get pucks through for Mason or Taravainen to kind of just deflect in and fight for a rebound. I was so happy when when. When they traded him to the to the Hurricanes, because like the season he was having was not good at all. Like it was just, it was it was so sad too. Because like when he first came up as a rookie, I remember that year he was awesome, especially in the playoffs. Like you talk about power play time, he did everything, man. Like he was he was a good player. Like it's good to see now that he was that he's starting to get back to to where he's at. It was, I guess, it was a fair trade. I think the first round pick the Rangers got in that trade ended up being Braden Schneider. Yeah, I mean, he had a lot of he had a lot of raw talent. Like even yeah. when the Hurricanes traded for him, because like he wasn't producing much, but he could still skate like the wind. He's built like an ox, so mm-hmm. there was something there definitely. So I guess they were kind of banking on maybe we can. This guy signed at an okay deal for a top pair defense or for a top four defenseman for a long time. So I thought they're like if we can like rejuvenate this guy's career maybe we have something and it took about it, it took really until last year for him to really come around as like a solid guy in the top 4 but they've done a nice job of kind of getting him back to where he was in his rookie year mm-hmm. yeah defensively the the hurricane score is 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 pretty good like i like slavin brett pesci's a good is a good player joe micheletti likes brett pesci just cuz yeah he's guy. he's from up there isn't he <laughs> I think so. I think he's a New York native. Uh, yeah, Terrytown. Yeah, that's the, where the Rangers practice facility is. Um, yeah, I, I never know. Like, I knew he's from New York. I wasn't yeah, sure he was from yeah. the city. I didn't like, know that until I just clicked on his name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, Corey, thanks so much for doing this with me. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, Ice Cold Takes listeners, thanks so much for listening. Hey, Rangers fans. Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. Time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.